Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Brittany Shearer, who is running for Norfolk School Board in Virginia. Happy American Thanksgiving, y'all. I know, I know. Thanksgiving is super problematic. People hate it for good reason. I am definitely not negating any and all legitimate grievances that many people, starting with Native Americans, have with the celebration of this holiday. But here's the thing. I love Thanksgiving. I freaking love it. (laughs) I love Thanksgiving food, except stuffing, of course, which come on, why would you do that to cornbread? But turkey, eight different kinds of potatoes, pie, oh, the pie, it's just carbs, carbs, and more carbs for me. Now you may be thinking, but Emily, Thanksgiving is so uncomfortable. All that family time and the avoiding of certain topics, it's just too much. How can you love this holiday? Well, to that I say, because I have the very best Thanksgiving tradition ever. My best friend from college flies in. I cook a ton of food. Then her, my husband, and I stuff ourselves and watch Friends on Netflix. Yeah, best tradition ever. Now, I know that not everyone has the luxury of spending their holiday with people who you feel comfortable and or safe having tough conversations with. Which is why I want to signal boost showing up for racial justice's holiday hotline. You can actually text SOS or a turkey emoji, love that, to 82623, and they will respond with tips and talking points about talking about racism and the danger of Trump's presidency with your family. Showing up for racial justice knows that it's vital for white people to break white silence about the danger of Trump's presidency. And they want to make sure that we have the tools that we need to have those conversations over the holidays. You can even get prepped ahead of time by checking out showingupforracialjustice.org slash Thanksgiving. Please go check it out. They have some really great tools. Okay, now let's talk to Brittany. All right, I really like the cover photo on your Twitter page. It's just like you and a group of women. Is that a candidate training or something? It is, yes. That was my Emerge Virginia class. Uh, I was in the feeling program. And how did you like it? I loved it. It's amazing. Our uh, our executive director, Julie Copeland, this is about to be their fifth year. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we were we rounded out the top uh, 100 women to go through the program oh, in wow. my class. They take 25 a year. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was really, really exciting. And it was great. We learned about fundraising and networking and uh, connecting with your different circles and things like that. It was really, really beneficial. And when did you do that this year? Uh, yes. So the first class was in January and we graduated in July. Okay. That's awesome. Um, okay. So let's get you introduced here. So who are you and for what are you running? My name is Brittany Shearer and I'm running for school board in Ward 2 in Norfolk, Virginia. And where is that located? Ward 2 uh, encompasses a good a good chunk of the city. So there are five wards. It includes the downtown area, Old Dominion University, which is where I work, and uh, the surrounding neighborhoods around there, Ghent, West Ghent, Larchmont, Riverview, Park Place, and a few others. And Virginia just had a huge election day, but your campaign isn't over until May, is that right? Yes, I was very excited last week. I was at a watch (laughs) party and watching all the results come in. Uh, But at the same time, my work is far from done. So it was kind of the switch over into campaign mode for myself. Yeah. 
to get you like super pumped and excited. Oh, yes, very. It's a, a little different. My race is nonpartisan. Um, uh-huh. I'm not running as a part of any political group. And uh, my local committee doesn't do endorsements in local races. So it's not quite the same energy that we had uh, last Tuesday. But it, I'm really excited to be a part of it. So why did you decide to run? Well, I, I've i been interested in, in both politics and in education for a really long time. So in college, I was a government major. I had a congressional internship when I was 21. And education goes even further back, really even before I was born, to my mom and my grandmother. Uh, My mom's a public school teacher in Virginia Beach, and she kind of drove it into my head from a really young age that education is the key to success, to breaking the cycle of poverty, which is really what she went through as a kid. Uh, My grandmother dropped out of school after ninth grade and had her first child at 16, and she Mm -hmm. is wonderful. I I adore her. Um, But my mom didn't want the same life for herself. And so her key to success was graduating high school and then as an adult going back to college. So I actually spent my earliest childhood years accompanying her to her college classes uh, in Norfolk and then became an academic advisor so that I can also work with those non-traditional students who are still trying to figure things out and find their way for their life. So I figured I could best serve my community by combining my interest in government and education. So school board's actually been on my radar for a really long time. But I waited until now for two reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, I think like many other women have said, the 2016 election kind of pushed fast forward for a lot of us uh, and a lot of us for our aspirations. But for me, the bigger hurdle was actually just the way that school board has been selected in Norfolk. Uh, Until last year, it was appointed by city council for about the last 60 years. So this is going to be the first time in over six decades that the seat that I'm running for is up for election at all. Really? Yes. That's so interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of confusing for voters right now, too, because and I understand it was confusing for me deciphering it all in the beginning. Uh-huh. But when it was appointed, it was appointed at large. So the current board members were not appointed with um, the where they live in the city in mind. So four of the five seats that are up for election, um, the people who are currently on the board, four of those five live in my ward, but not all of them are running. Yeah, it's like a brand new thing even for your your city to (laughs) to experience. We have we have two super ward seats and five regular ward seats. So the two Uh super ward seats were elected for the first time last year. And those um, folks are going to stay on the board for, I think, another three years. So the five ward seats, the rest of the board is all up for the first time. And it's going to be really a brand new group of people. When did you decide that you wanted to do school board? I mean, I guess a couple of years ago, like you couldn't even run for that since it wasn't an option. Yeah. So they passed the referendum in 2015, okay. um, but it was not immediately on my radar. I was still finishing grad school in 2015 in college administration and getting my into my career. Um, So really, probably about a year ago, it it really popped up on my radar as, hey, this is happening now. This is a good time for me to get into it. Okay. What's your day job? I'm an academic advisor in the College of Sciences at Old Dominion University. Uh, ODU is a really big feeder for Norfolk Public School students. A lot of students that I went to high school with went there. Um, I actually still talk to my current, my advisees uh, who went to my old high school and some of my teachers from when I was there a decade ago are... Uh, still there and still teaching. So what has the process of running been like for you so far? Um, Really (laughs) connecting with uh, family, extended family and friends and trying to get the word out that I'm running. I think when you have local races especially and 
immediately following such large elections uh, mm-hmm. like the statewide races we just had, people aren't necessarily tuned into the races that are only six months away. They probably won't really be in election mode again until at least the midterms, and for some of them, not until the next presidential election. Um, yeah. So trying to get in touch with everybody, letting them know, hey, this race is happening. No, it's not November 7th. It's not until May. <laughs> um, and then fundraising. So fundraising has been a big part for me. Thankfully, I did go through two candidate training programs this year, and I've kind of built networks that way and just learned how to make hard asks uh, through that experience. When did you announce? I announced in, well, mid-October, technically. Okay. Um, but again, right before the, the statewide elections, you don't really get any press or anything yeah. like that. It's kind of hard to get that attention out. So I made all of my, my information public, my website, my social media, um, my Act Blue, which is the Democratic Party's site for fundraising, mm-hmm. uh, has actually been active since July, which is when I filed the first part of my paperwork. Um, but it's really only in the last month that I've been publicly out as a candidate. So what are your core issues that you're running on? Um, There's several. So (laughs) I live in a a district that is very diverse and there's a ton of issues. They're all over the kind of socioeconomic spectrum. Some people are concerned about school quality. Uh, Not all of the schools in Norfolk are accredited right now. And every year we've had an increase in the number of schools accredited, but we still have some that have been denied this year or are only partially accredited. So improving that is important to me. We have people who are uh, concerned about increasing the number and availability of gifted programs. And then there's concerns about the board itself. We've had a lot of changes in leadership over the last several years, uh, both with our superintendent and, of course, on the actual school board. And so I think I'm looking to kind of improve transparency and trust in the school board as an institution. Um, So I've got a few different issues, and I try to focus on the different populations that are affected by school board decisions. So teachers, um, which is retaining quality teachers and reducing class sizes, those are kind of the big portions for me. Virginia Mm -hmm. has standards of quality um, that give you basically the minimum rules that you have to follow in the classrooms. And some of those I think are great and some of them I think we could go a little bit farther. For instance, um, I think it's sixth grade Um, But there are certain grades where class sizes, the minimum standard of quality is like 35 students in a class, which is enormous. Um, Students. So one thing that I care about, um, because I went through the International Baccalaureate program when I was in high school in Norfolk, is having gifted programs that are representative of our city at large. Mm -hmm. Our city is split pretty evenly between Caucasian and African-American populations. It's about 44% each. Our gifted programs do not look like that. I was actually in an AP class just last week for educator for a day, and I think we had three African-American students in a class of 23. And granted, this is an issue that we have to tackle much earlier, and not, you know, not when students are going into high school, but I think part of it is an issue of making sure that we're appropriately marketing to students in all neighborhoods of Norfolk. Something that I think will help with that is uh, zoning and tackling zoning. We are turning one of our high schools into a career and technical education school, um, which will encompass AP programs and some additional programs as well as CTE. Um, But I sat through a presentation a few weeks ago where a lot of people were on board with making it a 100% choice zoning school, which Mm -hmm. means that it's just self-selection to apply to these programs. Now, our other high schools, we've got four other high schools. Some of them have their own specialty programs and some of them don't. So my concern with moving right away to a fully self-selected program is that you're going to draw disproportionately from schools that are struggling 
because the schools that have their own specialty programs are probably not going to be sending, they're not going to have as many students who are applying to a different specialty program. Um, and those schools that are already struggling, we really need students to be there and be reinvesting um, education dollars into those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is the community. So community as a whole, not just parents, but uh, small business owners and people like me who don't have kids and don't own a business, but are just still invested in the community, making sure that they are a part of that decision process. Part of that, I think, takes the form of expanding our community partnerships. We have something uh, at the institution where I work called Teacher Immersion Residency, which um, allows for people who are interested in getting a um, STEM degree uh, and an education license to come back and work for Norfolk Public Schools for a certain number of years and have that program fully funded. I think there's a few changes that we can make. One is that I would like to expand it to include special education teachers in addition to STEM, because we do have students who are dealing with all sorts of different abilities and disabilities and uh, the autism spectrum. And that's something that I kind of experienced secondhand as a student because I have a brother on the autism spectrum who dealt with IEPs and changing IEPs and Mm -hmm. navigating uh, public high school. And so I'd like to see that expanded. I'd also like to see us focus um, on programs that exist at the undergraduate level because I think if we can fund students to get their bachelor's degrees and come back, it'll take less time and we'll have more students who are capable of coming back and and serving their schools that they went to. That sounds incredibly well thought out. (laughs) (laughs) I know, that's that's kind of information. It's hard to kind of, I try to categorize it as my teacher-student community uh, kind of trifecta, but there's a lot in between. There's just, there's so many issues to cover. And like I said, my district is very diverse. We have some very affluent neighborhoods and we have some neighborhoods that aren't quite there yet. And so trying to shape my campaign to address all of these issues has been definitely a challenge, especially as a first-time candidate, but something Mm -hmm. that I'm really focused on making happen. So other than Emerge, what other candidate training program did you do? Um, I attended the Women's Campaign School at Yale, which is a a one-week program uh, over Mm -hmm. the summer. So the first week of June, I went up to New Haven, and that one's it's a very different environment. That one's about 80 people, whereas Emerge was a 25-person class. We're there for a week. And we're working on uh, a congressional case study for most of the week, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really intense. <laughs> so, what were some of the, like the big uh, things you took away from your your training programs? Um, Emerge. The most helpful part of Emerge for me was the networking. It's very yeah. Virginia focused, and so I've been able to get to know women who are now running for everything from town council to Congress all over the state. And just really getting to talk to them about their experiences has been really, really helpful for me because even now hitting the campaign trail and learning everything as I go, it's really nice to have those women to talk to on Facebook Messenger or call them up and be like, hey, have you experienced anything like this? Uh And then uh, Women's Campaign School was great. It was a nonpartisan program. So for me, it was an opportunity to uh, practice working across the aisle. And we were on groups for a congressional case study. We were doing um, Jason Lewis's district. And okay. it was just a great experience. We were up, you know, very late into the night every night for that full week. Um, but it was it was nice to get the logistics down because in Emerge, we learn them, but you don't get to necessarily put them to use until mm-hmm. you're working on your own campaign. So getting to put together a budget and hire uh, a communications team and a field team and figure out how much money and what those operations look like was really, really valuable. Very cool. So what has surprised you the most about running for office? 
Hmm, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think every, I mean, everything is surprising as a first time candidate because you don't uh -huh. really know anything until you're experiencing it for the first time. There are things that I sort of in the back of my mind expected, um, but it's still been surprising to see in action. So part of that is just politics. It's talking to people that you know and have known for a while. I've been involved with my local party for a couple years now. And now that you're a candidate and you have an opponent who, you know, I've got opponents who are affiliated with the same party as me politically, with different parties, with no parties, and navigating that and those conversations that you're having with your friends where you know them very well and they know you and then having to be like, well, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to stay out of it. I, think, I don't think I'm going to do anything. <laughs> um, that's been, kind of not, again, not surprising. You know on some level that that's just a reality of campaigning, but it's, it's a little jarring. So have you faced any obstacles uh, so far? Um, fundraising is the hardest. Okay. And like I said, I, I've been really lucky that I was able to get in very early and start talking to friends and family pretty early. But I don't know that the phone calls ever get easier where you're talking to people that you haven't really spoken to since college and saying, hey, how would you like to donate $100 <laughs> to my campaign? By the way, how are you? <laughs> yeah, that sounds a little awkward. Um, are you like door knocking yet? Are you um, not stage? just yet? Okay. So I, um, the last of my filing paperwork, I actually can't uh, complete until after January first, and okay. that's when we can start collecting signatures. So I'm planning to start my door knocking campaign when I'm collecting signatures, and then going from January until uh, May first. Gotcha. So how can people get involved with your campaign right now? Um, well, they can sign up on my website. <laughs> I do have a contact form um, where they can get added to my listserv and learn how to volunteer. Um, the biggest thing for me right now at this point in my campaign is signal boosting. Uh, I am mm -hmm. in a competitive race. I'm in a district where um, because it includes some more affluent neighborhoods, we get a lot more people who are kind of politically engaged and interested in local races. So it's going to be a more competitive area than I think other parts of the city will be. So signal boosting is huge. And uh, come volunteer with me in January. Awesome. Um, so where can people find you either online or in person? Um, I am on Facebook. Uh, my campaign page is Shearer for School Board, and my website is BrittanyShearer.com. I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter account is Britt A. Shearer um, because my full name was already taken. <laughs> I love hearing about school board races in particular because like, it's something that I don't think people realize exactly how much power like a school board has. And it's something that, you know, anybody can, if they're interested in education, can get on board with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, so obviously I work in higher education, so I see kind of the back end. Yeah. But I see the products of our Norfolk public school system, which has some successes and it also has some challenges, but it's definitely uh, drawn me in. But I do think that school board and city council and really even, you know, as we've seen with House of Delegates races in Virginia, you don't have to be independently wealthy or yeah. it's hard to campaign with a full-time job for sure but it's doable and if it's something that you care about I think you should definitely do it all right last question what advice do you have for women who are thinking about running for office um, my advice is to jump in with both feet uh, <laughs> women and I know this has been kind of hashed out over the last year especially a lot but women aren't they need to be asked and a lot of times need to be asked multiple times in order to really start seriously considering it. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that, it just clicked in my mind. I don't need to wait any longer. As soon as 
I have a very good friend who actually um, encouraged me to apply to the Emerge program, and she sent me an email when she had received one about the application deadline, and she said, I want you to do this, apply. <laughs> and that was kind of a moment for me where I was like, yeah, there's nothing standing in my way. I am qualified. I am interested in this area. I'm very passionate about it. I'm from this area. I know it incredibly well. Why am I not doing this? Yeah. Well, say thank you to your friend for me. <laughs> oh, will do. She's great. <laughs> well, thanks for chatting with me. This is great. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much for having me. Mm hmm. And that's it for today. Big thanks to Brittany for chatting with me. You can find out more about her campaign at BrittanyShearer.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-S-H-E-A-R-E-R.com. Or find her on Facebook at Shearer for School Board and on Twitter at, at Britt A. Shearer. Speaking of social media, you can find and follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at She's Running Pod. Hit me up on any of these platforms if you know of an awesome woman that you would like to hear on the show. And thanks for listening. That's it for today. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I will talk to you soon.